Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Searching for just the right job? Whether you're looking for full-time, part-time, or seasonal work, you can get started today. Amazon Jobs offer the whole package with great pay and flexible shifts that allow you to choose when and how much you work. Find a warehouse close to home and discover the role that works for you. To get your application started for an hourly job, go to Amazon.com apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is proud to be an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back into another edition of The Kickabout here on The Blue Room. I'm your host, Rob Vera, joined this week by a mainstay of The Blue Room, of course, Mike Diasha, who is eating some lovely cake that he is broadcasting all over the internet. Uh, Mike, you're, 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 I, I've been doing this thing where I'm trying to shed my, my COVID weight. And so I'm not eating sweets in the middle of the week, but it is, you're absolutely, uh, you're absolutely creating temptation right now, buddy. <laughs> Mate, this cake is like, it's, it's Shangri-La in a cake. It's yeah. like amazing. <laughs> it's a Biscoff cheesecake that my girlfriend made and Oof. she, what she did was she put it together and she left it in the fridge overnight before then decorating it with like the rest of the bis coffee bits and it held together and it was perfect and jesus christ it's like if you could inject this into my veins i would be overdosing to fuck on it it's just (laughs) (laughs) wow um that is both uh that is both um very descriptive and um possibly graphic i I like that uh very much (laughs) so uh no it does it does look delicious i'm i'm a sucker for uh a great cake especially cheesecake and especially biscoff because i oh man that's that is the best but i'm going to turn my attention away to welcome in our third this week making his kickabout debut i don't think yeah because i don't think you've been on a kickabout before adam no i don't Uh, think i have yeah yeah yeah. all right we welcome yeah, well, he's been on Blue Room plenty. Adam Jones uh, of the Liverpool Echo, and Adam, uh, I, Adam and I have actually been talking about this episode for I think a few months because we both realized at some point. I don't know, Adam, if it was at some point when when one of us may have posted a 
a, a gif or a gif, if you will, mm-hmm. of uh, something. It's always sunny related. Uh, but we, we, we definitely began to bond over this. And I decided that I absolutely needed to do an episode where we just talked about it's always sunny, do it after the season, uh, do it where we really don't have to talk about Everton because let's be honest, guys, the long, scientifically speaking, the longest unit of measurable time is from the day that the window opens to the day that Everton actually make their first signing. So there's really no point in talking about any of uh, Everton's. I mean, ever, we can talk about Everton, whatever. So we're going to talk about it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia today. Adam, welcome. How are things going in the, I guess, uh, cl- you know, post-closure of the season in this very short break that you've got so far? It's, it's, it's very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. I'm enjoying not having to go to an empty football stadium every three days to to try and cover some pretty uh, pretty rubbish football if we if we're yeah. honest. So I've, I've been able to have a bit of downtime. I've been able to watch a few episodes of Always Sunny over the last few weeks. And uh yeah. excited to talk about it. I think we bonded over the was this around the same time that we bonded over American football as well? Maybe. I I'm not sure. I I look it's it's for a combination of reasons, mostly because my memory is terrible. I can never totally remember when I first connected with most of my friends in my life. Like I have a hard time remembering like what connected us, but especially with those of you who I've met through uh, the, the the dark she devil known as Everton, I I don't <laughs> always recall at what point we exchanged uh, some something on Twitter and then it just turned into a, it's something from there. But uh, no. Uh, Adam, I'll definitely have you back on as we get closer. I think we should have you back on after you're back from maybe your holidays or maybe before Everton starts to maybe talk a little NFL preview coming up. Uh, there, that season is they're they're going to find a way. It looks like to to go ahead and move uh, forward with the season despite our very very notable struggles over here with uh, containing the virus. Uh, mm-hmm. Despite all this great leadership that we've got here, uh, somehow we have not been able to contain the virus. It's weird. Um, but uh, I don't want to delve into that too much. I am here today with you guys uh, to talk about a show that the three of us and again, I'll, Adam, I'll probably come to you first on this because I want to allow Mike the uh, bandwidth he needs to eat, finish that cake, which, hey, man, <laughs> we got we to gotta have each other's back there. Um, I, I want to come to you first on this. We, we at some point had talked about you know, a shared love for this show. Um, it's always sunny for those of you listening. If, if you don't know what it is, I'm not going to get into what it's always sunny is because it's, it's, you know, it's a television show. You've got a Google machine. I'm sure you can figure it out. If you've never watched it before, uh, you should watch it. And for those of you who have watched it, it's been on so long now, almost to the point where I think you almost take for granted that it comes back every season. Um, and it is, to me, it's been described as Seinfeld on crack. It has been described as, um, you know, a show, a, a kind of a another show where no one learns their lessons, but they're also just bad people being funny. Um, it's also uh, kind of known as a show that is incredibly smart, even though the characters are quote dumb. Uh, there's nothing dumb about the show and the the way they parody, uh, especially American culture and society and science and politics and everything else that you can imagine. Um, I want to start there, Adam, actually, because I think one of the things I'm most curious about to ask you guys, and, and one of the one of the things that I, I've 
often mention on Kick About and my fascination with being part of the Blue Room especially is that in addition to talking about Everton, I find that the cultural exchanges or understanding the lens with which you guys consume American culture uh, is really fascinating to me in the same way that I imagine uh, some of my uh, opinions I've formed uh, over my multiple visits over uh, to England have certainly, uh, you know, created a certain way in which I consume your culture. Um, it's always sunny is, you know, it's very uniquely American in some ways, but yet its appeal certainly goes beyond just our borders. But um, as someone who grew up in, you know, around the same time frame as the, the actors and the main characters on that show, I certainly appreciate some of the references to the 80s and the 90s and the way we grew up in America, the music, the, you know, weird obsession with action movies and Stallone and Rocky and stuff, <laughs> professional wrestling and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I eat that stuff up. I want to start with you on this, though, Adam. Um, when you watch the show, first of all, tell me how you got into it, but also tell me a little bit about how you feel like this show informs your opinions, fair or not, about America or American culture in general. <laughs> I think I got into it quite late, to be honest. I think I probably only first started watching it in maybe 2015, early 2015, something like that, because it came on to... UK Netflix and uh, I was scrolling through UK Netflix and I remember seeing you know I'd seen uh, Charlie Day in particular in a, in a few things I'd obviously seen uh, <laughs> so so many uh, things with Danny DeVito in and I just saw a little, a little poster containing both of those two and like a, I think it was like 10 seasons at that point like a 10 season comedy and I was thinking to myself well this is this is absolutely something I'm going to love. Then Danny DeVito and Charlie Day, all in one. And uh, I remember, I remember watching that first episode, and the first episode was just not what I was. Ex I, I was expecting. I don't know what I was expecting it to be, but I was not expecting. To, I was not expecting to delve into the into deeply into the subject of racism in the in the first episode. <laughs> to be honest, and that whole the whole first season is just they, they just keep keep bringing on those controversial topics and just like knocking them out the park. And I remember like after watching that first season and then they bring Danny DeVito in, I was just completely hooked from that point. I think I'd binged all 10 seasons in about three weeks or something like that. Cause I just, I think I'd just finished uni at that point and I just, I had nothing better to do. So I just sat there watching always sunny throughout. Uh, in terms of how it like affects my, my viewing of American culture, like, Thankfully, it's not the only American show that I've, well, that I've watched. Clearly, hopefully, hopefully so, not. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think I don't think it's affected my view of American culture all that much. I think it's it's it, it's quite obviously a very it's it, it's a very exaggerated uh, concept of American culture in like every single thing that they do. Even each of the characters is so hugely exaggerated that you can't really imagine them in real life in 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 certain ways. You know, especially when it comes to like some of the later seasons and some of the things that they're doing in that, like you just can't, I, I personally can't picture some, some of the things that they do happening in real life. But then again, we're in 2020, so who knows? It, it might happen at some point in the future. But yeah, it, it just, I, it, I, I fell in love with it so quickly and I've, I think I've loved every single season that's come down the line. Mike, I, I, I'm always fascinated by your opinions on 
American television because you have such fierce opinions about about British television. And I I do find that there are times where I will watch um, a show from the UK and I feel like I can pick it up. And then there are other times where I feel completely lost because of the layer upon layer of cultural references. So one of the things I always wondered, and, and, and again, no one really watches the show and picks up on everything. And I totally get that. But do you when you watch the show, do you ever get the sense uh, as you're watching it that there are things that are flying uh, over your head? Uh, are, are some of the references there uh, things that you just generally you generally do kind of latch on to? Um, it's Always Sunny certainly builds upon itself in terms of referencing back to past episodes and seasons. So it does reward the viewer as a whole. But in terms of just the humor in general, uh, I know that our concepts at times of humor and what's funny can be you know, there's some universal elements to it, sure, but there are also some things that are very different. Uh, tell me about how how and why you kind of appreciate the humor of of It's Always Sunny in regards to the American shows that you've seen before. Um, to me, obviously, the the standard phrases that Seinfeld is a show about nothing, and for me, It's Always Sunny is a show about horrible. Like it's those two sort of climaxing things that you have very different. But um, for me, obviously, the early series always really play upon that rock flag and eagle sort of Hulk Hogan Americanism that is just so <laughs> brash and there. And you could go into such geopolitical levels that that does play just excellently. But I do think the 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 undoubtedly are some bits that will go over mine and Adam's head that is just like completely just geographical American humor that you could only understand if you lived within that biosphere constantly. But the constant humor that runs throughout that show, as I said, is just one of horribleness, which is just something that I really like. And I think it's something that Western culture really has embraced very well with comedy within the past 20 or 30 years. It is one that is just, things are horrible and we can make that funny. And we're going to make that funny in a really disgusting, vile way, but it will be funny and you will laugh. And that is the one thing that I love that is so different than what came before. So you have the Friends, you have the Seinfeld, and you have those sorts of shows, which sort of play upon this awkwardness and i think awkwardness is that one homing factor of early sitcom it is everything should be awkward everything should be about sex everything should be just a little bit like on the hoof should be a little bit ooh matron carry on sort of thing and it's always sunny just kind of went we don't really do jokes about that like and mm -hmm. it's just such a shift from that sphere that it to me is what peep show is for the Britishness of it, where it's almost as if what is funny is horrible and it's nails on a chalkboard and it's just in your face and it's a little bit nasty. And that's what I really love about it. Yeah. It, I think you hit on something important there too. It's that, uh, and of course this definitely does come from the sort of Seinfeld paradigm of, 
you know, th- there's not questions of will they, won't they get together. There aren't questions about ongoing relationships in regards to, you know, learning learning more about each other, or finding love. Uh, it's this. This is not about that. This is a re. This is taking that concept that I think Seinfeld sort of hit on of four people who are weird and quirky and interesting, but also pretty terrible. And then taking it several levels above that. Um, it's funny because we, we certainly in America right now are in a period of what some would refer to as, uh, the feelings are facts kind of <laughs> world that we live in where, uh, you know, the facts don't ma- like uh, people dispute facts cause hey, that's how I feel. And, and it's always sunny really seemed to nail that early on. Uh, they, so many of the episodes seem rooted in the idea that, um, a, you can yell and scream and argue your, your way into and out of any problem. And B, uh, you have the ability to just kind of decide what's true based on how you feel or based on some random past experience or something that you've seen in a movie before. I feel like they 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 play certainly on that very American thing, which is uh, just a is just to trust your guts and everything. And probably the I, I've often heard people from. England say that the the thing that one of the characteristics of Americans is that Americans are um, they're kind of inherently optimistic uh, and and inherently proud about things that probably they they don't necessarily need to be or that they don't put too much thought into uh, you know like I remember that episode where uh, the gang wrestles the troops where it was very much this idea of you know you talked about Hulk Hogan before and they were like yeah man remember when the, remember the 80s when everyone was proud to, to be in America and proud of America and patriotic man that was those were the best times and what's funny about that is that it's a joke but it's not really because if you grew up in the 80s you had this very simplistic sense of you know us versus the Russians and, uh, you know, the, the, the types of heroes that came through professional wrestling and things like that. I mean, uh, it really is a, it's a commentary on how, how our own history has kind of over time been exposed to be kind of, uh, ridiculous and, and a bit of a joke at times. Um, I want to delve into characters though. I look, I'm not going to go through a whole thing of like describing every character. You guys probably, you know, if you, if you watch the show, you know, it's the main, the main core characters that there've always been, um, of, you know, Mac, Mac, Charlie, Dennis D and Frank. Um, you've also had some, Char- recurring characters like the waitress and rickety Rick- cricket who has just gone from being this very like respectable priest who is a nice person to now has morphed over time slowly into the most freakish crazy uh off the wall homeless guy <laughs> ever and it just they take every character and if you look as a progression over time and Adam, you referred to that season one, episode one, where I think it's the gang gets racist or whatever, which you, 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 they start out as seeming kind of normal. But over time, as they've aged, the characters have gotten more more unhinged, more extreme. Dennis has gone from a guy who's just sort of, you know, you know, a guy who is think, fancies himself as pretty good looking or good with women to now possibly being a a serial killer and we don't really know and and those sorts of things but uh adam when we come to you on this first is there a character amongst that group that 
you just, I mean, I enjoy their chemistry as a whole, but is there one character that you just have found that you enjoy the most uh, in regards to the series? Funnily enough, it is. It, I think it is Dennis. I, ju- I just think <laughs> his, his descent purely into what you can only describe as absolute madness toward, towards like the later seasons is just absolutely amazing. As you say, he, he just starts off as this, you know, fancies himself as a bit of a womanizer. But like I just like his his subtle little change. Uh, like there's one there's one where uh, D and Dennis like dress up as like serial killers and then start to like stalk the waitress, and then he's like <laughs> talking about like strangling her, and then he's like so disappointed that he's not actually going to be able to strangle her, and it's just like <laughs> that was in like season three, but like you just get a little nod to where he's going to go, and then he just keeps going down this like absolutely ridiculous sociopathic <laughs> route. Until he's just is 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 outburst when are just absolutely phenomenal when he's at the uh, when he's at the uh, the school reunion and he's getting the zip oh, and stuff out, out, out of the of his car <laughs> absolutely absolutely phenomenal sort of breakdown. Uh, yeah, I, I just I just absolutely adore him. Like it, it it's weird. Like going back to something you said before, it's really weird to go back to like the first like season or two and watch like the chemistry between the characters as they as they're actually seemingly concerned about how the bar is run and how to like make money at the bar that just completely <laughs> just goes down the drain so quickly by the time you get to like season four and five like the bar just is just a place that they need to meet up at that point like it's it's hardly yeah. even, it hardly even plays a factor so like literally every part of the show has evolved from you know a really good start. I thought it's evolved even further since then. But yeah, I think De- Dennis is the one that sticks out to me. I think I think he's probably the one. He's probably the one who's changed the most. I think from from the start to where he is now, because he is he is just absolutely madcap, off the wall, mental at this point. So yeah, I love him. Mike, I, it's so funny he mentions Dennis in that way because I think that speaks to exactly what you were saying in regards to just uh, someone who can be so horrible uh, because Dennis, for instance, has the shortest fuse of any of them. He gets mad so easily. <laughs> um, he feels very entitled uh, to, especially when it comes to women, he feels incredibly entitled to the point of, of not r- realizing. And that's part of what makes it so funny is not realizing how like misogynistic and creepy and sociopathic he's become. And, and it's funny that I'm sitting here describing all these traits and, and you would be thinking we were talking about a, a serious show that was, uh, was really disturbing. And yet we're talking about all these extreme traits and characteristics somehow may and somehow taking that and making it really funny, which I think is the magic of it's always sunny. Uh, Mike, do you have, is there a character in that same regard that sticks out to you? That is one that you've grown most fond of over time. Uh, is it all of them? Is it, you know, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you can't knock the golden God, can you? Because he's the golden God. So <laughs> just how that works. But um, for me, the one that I'm, I'm sure I'll come on to it later when we go through favorite episodes. But for me, the character that I enjoy the, I don't want to say the arc because that's almost as if it's serious because it does kind of get serious, <laughs> but the, the character that I enjoy the evolution of the most is Mac. It's just because it goes just from being so 
meathead to so it's just it's amazing the way it goes from meathead idiot to fat idiot to ripped idiot and then to where we get to at the end and it's just it's such an evolution of a character with so many gags in between that it, it is just a, an a to z character that i do love i do love mac yeah mac would probably be i think mac might be my answer to just from the standpoint that what's so funny about him and it's also notable that the the guy who plays Mac, Rob McElhaney, is the the series creator uh, and showrunner, and uh, he is always willing to. And you really have to be in this cast, but he's always willing to completely make fun of of that character. And Mac, especially, you're right. That arc of him is very much one that. Uh, where there are some consistent themes with him where he is just painfully insecure and therefore wants everyone to know how tough he is, how he knows martial arts, even though he doesn't, how he does all (laughs) these tough guy things that he doesn't really do, um, that he is 100% totally not gay, not gay, not gay. And of course he is gay. (laughs) And it is, it is just, it is this combination of, of trying to, and and this is, I I think in some ways he becomes the very, he's definitely one of the bigger, his character as a whole is the, is a major critique of kind of American male maleness, which is, uh, you know, never, never admit that, that, uh, you know, try to never show anyone that you're anything but a tough guy. Uh, you know, you model yourself after like action heroes and movies and stuff like that. I, I love Mac and I love how his weird, uh, his weird quirks uh, kind of fuel the fire, but I look. There's not a character on there that isn't great. Um, I, I've come to appreciate D even more over time. Uh, obviously, Danny DeVito getting added to the cast added a completely new element. Uh, though I will say, like even even those episodes before Danny DeVito arrived, I still enjoyed those quite a bit too. Um, the first episode they ever made, actually, I think was episode four of season one, which was uh, Charlie. Charlie gets cancer. Charlie has cancer or something like that where essentially Charlie is faking that he has cancer in order to get sympathy for uh, for this uh, by, from this woman that he's after for the entire arc of the show the waitress who is played by his uh, real real life uh, Charlie Day's real life wife um, which is ironic on so many levels um, but what I love about that story is that they made that first episode using their own kind of handheld equipment I think they pay, they made it for um, less than a couple thousand dollars or something like that that they 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 just cobbled together whatever money they had and just did it on their own. And I think that's one of the things about Always Sunny that I've respected the most because it's still the same tight-knit unit of, of people who've been a part of it. And they all contribute to the writing. And they all uh, they all are, are very fundamental to the creative process. And I think that that part is really cool because it would be very easy over time to just kind of hand it off to another ser- you know, set of writers, but you just don't feel like the, the that they would be able to, to perform in the same way. Um, okay. I, I want to save the balance of the time just because I know this could take a bit. And I look, I just, it doesn't have to be too formal guys, but I asked you before you came on, to bring your favorite episodes to the discussion. And I, I said three to five, and then I think I was like, well, it's, it's going to be five. And then I started making my list, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm up to eight. <laughs> and I just – because I, I, I'm sure that when you have a series this long – 
Um, and every episode really is its own kind of self-contained story, even though there are callbacks to previous episodes that definitely reward those who have watched the whole series. Um, I, I had a hard time just picking five and I can't even rank them. I would say, I would just say that, you know, I've got a handful of episodes, uh, that, that I love. Uh, but Adam, I'm going to start with you, uh, because I know that you've been looking forward to this question <laughs> in particular. Um, talk to me about, and again, if you haven't ranked great, uh, but if you've got five to however many episodes that, that are your absolute favorites. Well, that's it. I've got I've got ten written down in front of me, oh, and, nice. and, I, and, it, and it's I'm going to have to try and whittle it down to five. To be honest, it's fine. It's fine. We're not in a big hurry. We got we got time. It's cool. I, I, I think I personally think that the one that sums up the relationship between all the characters the best is the first Charlie McDennis episode. I think I think that is just, yes, that is absolutely perfect. The, the, it is just them stepping over each other at every single possible opportunity just to win a completely nonsensical, pointless game and just stand on each other's game pieces at the end of it. That's essentially the whole crux of the episode, but the way they make it, you know, putting Frank in a dog cage and everything like that is just absolutely... Absolutely classic. I love that hey, so much. Charlie McDennis, you hit on something important there that they are friends and they are in many ways codependent of one another. And yet they have no qualms about taking sides against one another or inflicting uh, embarrassment or pain on one another. It is a weird deeply disturbed dynamic that they have. And absolutely. Charlie McDennis is a great, great episode. And it's probably one of the episodes I can point to where I found myself laughing uncontrollably at times, especially the first time you see it just because of how absurd they, the, the absurd links they go to, to win a game that they have completely made up uh, out of thin air and how much thought they've put into it. It's that's a, that's a good one. It's even All like right, the keep... quiz questions that they do where the answers are just an opinion. Like yeah. who 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 is like <laughs> who is the best person that you want to have a dinner party with or something like that? And it's just like what was what was the response like uh greatest what was it greatest song or is it greatest song, greatest band of all time? And it's like it's Chumbawamba or something like that. Yeah. Where they just they're like, oh, most of these are based on on an opinion or memory. And yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mm. All right, yeah. Adam, keep keep going. Uh, I'm gonna put the Dennis system in there. Because I think that that probably sums up exactly what Dennis is as a as a man, just a complete a complete sociopath. But yeah, he gets his comeuppance a little bit in the end because uh, like it just doesn't go the way he thought it was going to go. And yeah, I just think that episode is truly amazing. Uh, in a, in a similar way, uh, I think Mac and Dennis move to the suburbs is probably one of my favorites oh, as well. That's on my list. Yeah, because like. The relationship, like, they'd already seemed like a bit of an old married couple almost for a couple of seasons, but that just kind of heightened that that relationship even more. And, like, De- Dennis, just it, just singularly in that episode, Dennis starts off as quite calm and collected, and then he just descends into just anger at the drop of a hat, which is just glorious. I think it's amazing to watch. That episode, and and Mike, I'm going to loop you in because I think what we can do is go a little round robin here. I've given Adam will do a few, and then I'm going to have you do a few as well, and then I'll do a couple, and we'll just kind of get through our list. But that one, that episode in particular, I love because of the descent into madness element of it, where it feels like you're watching The Shining, where it's just <laughs> the same thing every day. 
Uh, it also feels sort of like a sequel uh, to a, an, an earlier season episode, Mac and Dennis Break Up, which is one of my all-time favorites, where the the level of their codependency is suddenly revealed by by D, uh, and they, then that's all they they think about. But yet they can't help but get into get into those dynamics. And of course, that's also one of my favorite episodes because of the fact that uh, D gets a cat stuck in her wall, and Charlie Charlie's like. <laughs> Oh, cat in the wall. Huh? You know, you very- <laughs> okay, you're talking my language. Speaking my language. Yeah. Um, I just, I love every, love everything about that episode. Mike, give me, uh, and so Adam, we'll come back to you. Um, I just want to keep the conversation. I don't want to put it all on e- anyone too much at one time. So, Mike, give me a few of yours. Yeah, I think um, Mac and Dennis move to the suburbs is definitely a mine. Pure for the, as you were saying, Rob, it's like you're watching this, The Shining, where it's literally like you are watching something that's directed by Stanley Kubrick. It is ridiculous how, like, the 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 tones and everything's just, even if it's just Mac's famous mac and cheese, it's just <laughs> the little things like that just always come back, or the beeping noise and those sorts of things that always come back to it. It's brilliant. But um, I think the, I try to whittle it down to about five or six, and I think at the bottom of that list, I had the serial defense, which to me is just oh, I love serial defense. Like Reynolds versus Reynolds, the serial defense that Mike is referring to is also one of my very favorites, and it may be, by the way, this one of the smartest episodes of the of the entire series because of the way it breaks down the how people form opinions and stick to them no matter what and yet they can be swayed uh in ways that make no sense and it's a very smart episode it's amazing like the the idea that that entire system of swaying opinions is formed on the basis of a whiteboard that is slightly magnetic is just oh it's just it's perfect it goes from an idea of being about frank driving into the back of dennis's truck and spilling his cereal to them being a discussion about whether God or evolution is the way to go. Right. It's, just, it's amazing. And it all ends in the idea that, hang on, this is all D's fault. It's just from start yep. to finish. It's just perfect. I, I absolutely Great love episode. it. Um, another one of my favorites is The Gang Dines Out. I love oh. The Gang Dines Out. Like, oh it- yes, <laughs> and by the way, that is that episode is definitely one of the best in terms of highlighting the dynamic of Mac and Dennis versus Charlie and Frank in turn, and, and of course D perfectly on her own, and how they just they get into these weird mini microaggression vendettas against one another for reasons that have no basis in reality but it's all just about ego and entitlement and weird insecurities it's so good and frank's toupee in that episode makes an appearance that frank's toupee is a recurring character in and of itself in that episode. <laughs> the, the, the thing that i i absolutely adore about that episode is that as you said rob it is it's the show in a microcosm because it is just an internal squabble that basically then is focused around external characters that are bought, brought into the maelstrom of the internal squabble. So whether it's the waiter, whether it's the um, army veteran, whether it's whoever is in that restaurant at the time, 
anyone who is within the limits of that maelstrom of the internal squabble is brought into it. And that's what the entire show is, whether it's Rickety Cricket or someone else. Someone is always brought in. And whether it's Frank's Little Beauties, America, Paddy's Next Billboard or whoever it is, people are always just spurned because of these internal squabbles. And that episode, The Gang Dines Out, is just the absolute microcosm of what the show is. And I love it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. I Speaking of the kind of odd dynamics uh, between the characters when it comes to... Uh, I don't even know how to describe this one in in a way that makes sense in terms of how they will sometimes flip the dynamics around of who's together, who's not in a particular episode. But one of my absolute favorites is Mac and Dennis Manhunters, which is the episode <laughs> where the, the title the title kind of buries the lead because it is about them deciding that the only true test of a man is to hunt another man uh, in a very like Rambo Rambo sort of way. And then, but the other story that is the co-lead with that is that at some point, um, D-, D and Charlie believe that they they've been essentially tricked into believing uh, that they have consumed human meat, and suddenly nothing t- they 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 go into this paranoia where nothing tastes as good as whatever they think they've just consumed, and they start imagining that they might be cannibals, and it goes into uh, the extremes of them trying to find other meats that would satisfy it and eating weird meats to, to like going to a morgue. That part was my favorite is them going to a morgue. And Charlie said, you know, like, like, is it racist if we don't want to eat this black guy versus this white guy? And he's like, well, now it is. <laughs> and it's just so absurd. And also, also you've got Frank thinking he is John Rambo without knowing that John <laughs> yeah. Rambo exists. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the first time you've described your life in the way of John Rambo. Right? It's just—it's that bit when he just goes, "They drew first blood." blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Um, another one that um, is one of my favorites uh, that I—I probably in terms of my list, the one that I've probably watched the most because it's just so rewatchable is the gang buys a boat. Oh, I yeah. cannot tell you it has. So it starts off as this premise of the fact that they kind of are going to get this boat so that they can live this uh, essentially nineties hip hop video lifestyle of, you know, being out on a boat with women on the boat and just, just kind of living it up or whatever until they realized all the work that goes into it. But my, but I think that episode, what makes it really special to me is the discussion. And I think I'll even post a YouTube clip of this uh, because I think it's one of the greatest uh, dialogue moments in the history of the show uh, uh, regarding the implication. If you guys remember what I'm talking about, <laughs> to, to, to speak to Dennis's uh, sociopath uh, nature, um, he's talking, he's essentially talking about how the great thing about having a boat is uh, getting the wim- getting women out to 
to see because of the implication. And, and, and Mac doesn't, doesn't grasp this and really he shouldn't. Uh, and it, the idea is like, well, it's not that anything bad is going to happen to these women. It's just the implication that something could go wrong. And so therefore they're not going to say no to you. And it's just so, and Dennis just keeps trying to explain it in a way where he doesn't come off sounding like a terrible person, but he's absolutely a terrible person for thinking along these lines. And it is, it is one of the funniest, uh, funniest uh, episodes for me because it just exposes Dennis. Uh, at really, that's when you you really begin to see Dennis uh, turn in that regard in terms of being a complete psychopath. And then uh, the only one, other one I'll bring up before Adam, you get uh, I go on to you. This is an earlier episode, but I one that I still love very much. Dennis and D go on welfare, which was. And again, you have to sort of understand our welfare system in our country to probably get some of the joke of it all. But it, it really sort of shows how these completely privileged uh, idiots can find a way to, you know, found a way to take advantage of, of the welfare system and how they then uh, start to completely devolve and abuse it. And they get addicted to crack, which somehow is a recurring theme throughout the entire series. <laughs> but uh, and that's another point we haven't talked about much, guys guys, is the, the drug use on this show is funny because they will randomly get addicted to certain drugs, but it's a lot of, it's really just a lot of Charlie sniffing glue. I find that that ends up having him be inspired to do things like create musicals and, and so on and so forth. <laughs> um, Adam, others, I know you've got more. Uh, before I move on, can I, can I talk about the implication? Cause I just, uh, can I, oh, yes. I, just love, yeah. I just love that. I think my favorite bit of the whole thing is that obviously these two characters just are never going to understand each other the way that they're explaining it. And then there's this like middle-aged woman who just overhears the whole thing and it pans over to her. And Dennis goes, oh, well, you'd never be in any danger. And Matt goes, so they are in danger then? And he's like, no, no, they're not in danger. Like that, that is... How many times do I have to explain this to you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just think you are, you are completely right. That is just like the perfect perfect dialogue between two characters who just aren't on the same wavelength whatsoever and never will be uh i think one of yeah. one of the underrated episodes that is one of my favorites is the gang gets held hostage when the mcpoyles take over the oh, bar <laughs> i absolutely <laughs> just love the concept of that to be honest like i think it's just after is it just after the uh is it just after the, one of the mcpoyles has got injured doing the football tryouts so is that is that the revenge that they're taking? By taking oh the yeah, I can't remember. Okay, first of all, let me let me pose this question back to you, Adam and Mike. I'd love for you to take a shot at this. If you were talking to someone who'd never really seen this show before, how would you describe and or explain the McPoyles? <laughs> um. Because they are very important recurring characters on this yeah. series through all through, all throughout. Yeah. In in Quite. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> Expound on that. So they're just they're a bit strange. They're a bit like a, us, but they are not bit. us. What they are is they are so strange that you could never ever see yourself living that sort of lifestyle and that lifestyle is one that makes you feel uncomfortable and at the same time uneasy they are copites <laughs> well there is a lot of incest built into that dynamic there too i mean you uh, said it 
They're a bit, they're a bit I was like, talking about the McPoyles. Yeah. <laughs> like, me, I think they're a bit like Cletus and his family on The Simpsons, like, but just yeah. West, like a real life version of them. Because like obviously The Simpsons is a cartoon and it's gonna be like over the top and strange, but like this is like a real life version of like what they would be like. Like the the bit where uh, I think the one when all, the whole family are in court. The fella's got like the little bird under his hat and everything. It's just, oh, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's just, it's just absolutely bizarre. And I love With it. Uncle Jack's the... hands. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Jack's creepy. Jack's creepy Uncle Jack. Nobody or I'm sorry, look. Carly's creepy. Yeah. His creepy Uncle Jack, who is, it's very much implied. No, I, don't, I think implied is probably too soft of a word, but pretty directly uh, infer. You can infer that uh, Uncle Jack uh, is was a child molester of some sort and molested Charlie when he or tried to molest Charlie when he was when he was younger, and yet he is still a recurring character who brings a ton of laughs to that show anytime he's on it. It's so bizarre how they can have these characters that really should like. We find ourselves in our society now, especially with the the exchanges of ideas about the things we consume on social media, sort of kind of going through the litigation process of is this are we allowed to laugh at this? Is this funny? And it's always Sunny seems to just ignore all of that noise and just said, no, we're going to make this kind of child blessing uncle of his a really weird, funny character on this show. We're going to make the McPoyles who are engaged in weird uh, incest and other things. We're going to make them kind of a funny part of the show. Um, I, you know, Charlie's mom being a prostitute, like we're just going to make that a part of the show. Like they, they, it's completely unapologetic in that regard. And yet that's probably why it works is because they don't pretend to feel, they don't pretend to feel the need to apologize for it because the whole point of it is that it's absurd and it's over the top. And that's what makes it really funny. I think the bizarre thing as well is the the fact that they can, introduce the the smallest little stupid character traits to these people like the fact that jack is obsessed with the size of his hands like <laughs> yes. it's like to it to an absolutely insane level the fact that the, the dennis's ex-wife wants to turn herself into a cat like yeah, that, yeah. That is just it's 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 amazing like I, I just love the fact that they can bring these traits in and, and i think the mcpoyles well, obviously, like the, I, th- I think they were probably the first sort of example of that. Like, just the fat, just the weirdest family possible. Like, drinking milk, just walking around in just some tighty whities and a dressing gown, essentially, constantly sweating. Uh, loads of incest going on, and the fact that they like took them all hostage in the bar with r- rubber guns is <laughs> is absolutely amazing. And like, they made them destroy the bar. Uh, it's just. I think that's a phenomenal episode. Hey, Mike, I'm going to come to you on this because I just thought of this. Um, do you have a favorite? We were talking about Uncle Jack. Do you have a favorite recurring character? Because I think of It's Always Sunny in, in very much the same vein of The Simpsons is what makes The Simpsons great is that beyond the core family characters are is the entire world building they do around that town. It's Always Sunny has kind of done that too with some of the recurring characters. Like for me, I I always find Gail the Snail to be ridiculously <laughs> entertaining. <laughs> Gail is their cousin, but they call her Gail the Snail because she makes that sound like she slurps everything. She's just kind of 
creepy and, and eerie and you feel like she's sticky or something. She is just, <laughs> and she globs onto people. They take these traits of people and then they accentuate them. But this idea of how, you know, you just can't get rid of her. And, you know, I, I think as they said, you know, no one wants to salt another human being, but that's the only <laughs> thing you can do with Gail the Snail. That's the only thing she responds to. Uh, Mike, do you have a favorite recurring character on the show? Um, For me, it is probably Uncle Jack because there are just so many moments, whether it's the hands, the photographs of the hands, or whether it's <laughs> going back and being like, it, it's when he first introduces himself to like the actual lawyer. And it, it, he's like attorney of law. And he's like, hello, Jack, attorney of law. And it's just, yeah. there is so much that's just about that character. Like the first time you see him, it's in this sort of weird sort of, as you were saying before, Robert, it's like, it's less of an insinuation and more of a session that this man is, is a child molester as a pedophile. And the very first time you see this fella it is two tone this is a pedophile yeah it's funny for a couple of laughs but the character that comes from that is just so weird and strange and just out the box that it's away from the two tone this is just a pedophile it's this is a man who has the weirdest thing going about his hands and it's going to be weird and it's going to be strange. And he's also a lawyer, but not in bad law, in some other sort of law. Oh, and we'll get on to Charlie, Charlie's obsession with the law here in a minute. Honestly, um, like, <laughs> there, there is so much about that that I love. But yeah, Uncle Jack for me, there is just, there is so many things. And it's mostly involving photography that that man is just, oh, I love him as a recurring character. Adam, have you got one that, that, that comes to mind? Uh, I think just for the. Just for the case of being different, I'm gonna go for Mac's dad. I love. I love oh yeah, Mac, <laughs> Luther. Yes. Yeah, he is just Luther. a phenomenal character. Like, I love the fact that you know he's 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 portrayed as somebody who's gonna eat the, eat their faces or like eat their butts. I think they say at one point. As well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's but, a career like, criminal and he's a tough guy. But he's the ultimate embodiment of a father who has withheld his love and affection from his son. And the dynamics of that end up being really oddly funny because he's very intimidating. Uh, and yet Mac will do anything just to like get in, any remotely close to him. Uh, but yet, as you saw, we'll turn on him really quickly if he feels in danger because they're definitely yeah. afraid of Mac's dad. But yet mm. he wants his affection so badly. But like he was so misunderstood as well. Like he was like when they gave that list and they thought that he was going around like killing people on the list. But and so they get him thrown back in jail. But instead, he was actually just making up with these people and he was going to take Mac to, you know, like the 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 game, that to, yeah, the game that he wanted to go to or whatever. And just the fact that he was so misunderstood and thrown back in jail. And then, you know, it's, I think he's, he is quality. But I think Jack, yeah, Uncle Jack is probably the king of the side characters in, in general. Yeah. Yeah. I want to take a second before we finish up on our favorite episodes, just because I feel like I have, haven't given this character his due. Because to me, um, I mean, we could spend hours on this, obviously. Um, I, I love the... I love the... Well, really two characters. One, the, the great thing about Dee is that her... 
her rage is is kind of one of the underrated parts of this and how you know how she is constantly the taking the the brunt of the abuse from these guys and yet manages to still be funny but she can get so angry at other especially other women uh when she tries to get things her 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 way like her and dennis seem diametrically opposed but they're in some ways they have the same sorts of uh same sorts of like uh you know weird insecurities and she's got this crazy performance anxiety where she makes this like gag sound every time she tries to because all she desperately wants is attention and recognition she wants to be an actor and all of this but and then with charlie so charlie is the most magical character on the show and he kind of to me because he he embodies the the ethos of this show so much because on the one hand he is functionally illiterate and yet he is in some ways the most cunning character on the show when it comes to certain weird schemes or things that he'll get involved in. Um, I remember the episode where he somehow orchestrates this whole scheme where he's able to get, um, he's able to, to reveal to the waitress that Dennis is trying to sleep with someone else like Max mom. And then, you know, then it just, it's so, it's so insane, but I love Charlie from that standpoint. Um, one other episode, by the way, that kind of speaks to the weird dynamics with Charlie, especially Charlie and Mac, especially who, even though Dennis and Mac are sort of the married couple, it's Charlie and Mac who are like the lifelong best friends who grew up with one another. Um, I love the gang gets trapped. I don't know if you guys remember that episode where they've somehow found their way into this house and Dennis is opining about how do we, how do we get ourselves into these situations? You know, once again, it's as we've, we've gone straight to the escalation point and they find themselves in these people's houses trying to retrieve this thing that probably doesn't even exist. And it doesn't exist. And it is, it is one of my favorite parts of that is that you've got Charlie and fat Mac out in the van and they're bickering with one another and in order to or they're 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 not they're not helping or whatever in order to divide them uh d is like here give me the give me the uh give me the walkie-talkie and she's like hey charlie why is it mac is the only one who can press the button on the on the walkie-talkie and then that's all it takes and suddenly they're arguing with one another and it's great i i love that whole episode because it's just so absurd and so ridiculous Mm. um I want to close out Adam uh, and Mike. Uh, I know you've probably got a few more uh, favorite episodes, favorite moments, anything like that that you want to talk about. Yeah, I think probably while we're on the subject of Charlie, I think probably my other favorite episode is flowers for Charlie. When he is given that drug that's essentially meant to improve his IQ, but it tends out to be a placebo and he's just been chatting absolute nonsense throughout the whole thing. Like, one of my favorite always sunny moments is like when that little door opens and he's on that weird little wheelchair thing and he just goes and just like rolls down the ramp. <laughs> <laughs> like I've gotten quite weary. <laughs> like it's just, I, I just love the whole concept of that episode. Like instantly, all it takes is like this little, this little like sugar pill essentially for Charlie to just instantly think that he's above everybody and just blow off the waitress, like blow off all of his friends, and it's like. The inherent dynamic of the whole show, really, like every single one of them is so egotistical. They've all got their own motivations. It's just that sometimes those motivations align with one or maybe more of the other of the other group, but they'll do whatever it takes just to improve themselves over anybody else. And I think that, that flowers for Charlie is just it, like it, it's a real 
it's a real way of just showing that even that can even happen to Charlie, who's meant to be like the stupid one of the group. Like he can't read, or like, it's just yeah. I, I love that episode so much. Fun trivia: that episode was directed by the two Game of Thrones showrunners who are very close to uh, the It's Always Sunny cast, which oh, is funny because yeah, it's so funny because and I don't know if they co-wrote it as well, but it's funny because. Um, uh, Rob McElhaney, uh, and there's, a, I think there's, a, he's made like, he made a cameo in one of the episodes of Game of Thrones where he was immediately killed as soon as he appeared. And it was, you know, um, he also had a similar cameo in Lost as well. Uh, he's obsessed with both those shows, which I, I think is really funny. But no, I, I love when Charlie that's the funny thing is that Charlie can suddenly get an idea in his head and suddenly he knows he, he suddenly fancies himself a lawyer. Um, he, he can suddenly like the bird law monologue that you alluded to, Mike is one of my favorite opens of any episode. And they were talking about birds and birds you can keep. He's like, now you could keep, he, he's like, you can keep a goal as a pet. But that thing will blast your ears off. <laughs> or like, you can't keep a gull as a, or no, you're saying you can't keep a gull as a pet. And and Dennis is like, I can absolutely keep a gull. He's like, no, bird law doesn't, you know, bird law doesn't make any sense in this country. Like it's just, it's just so ridiculous uh, the way they go off on that. Uh, Mike, I, 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 I feel like this whole episode of Kickabout is very non sequitur driven because you could just go off in all these directions. Um, Mike, uh, any other episodes that that you want to bring to to our attention? I think, um, first of all, talking about Charlie, I think my favorite Charlie episodes, I think the first one, I can never remember the name of it, but it's the one where it's basically a one-shot cut of him in a day in the life uh-huh. in the bar. Charlie Work. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Work. And it's, oh, it's sensational. It's one of the best episodes of the entire show. Yeah. yeah. So good. But I think my ultimate Charlie episode is the um, the gang wins the big game part one, where it's charlie's version of what happens at the super bowl when he stays behind and it's almost it's that um that sort of everton thing that i think we have where (laughs) we all sort of have those pre-match rituals where if we do certain things everton will win if we don't do those certain things they will lose and charlie's version is he has to hurt himself or remain in a bear trap for the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. And it's just, I think it's just perfect the way it goes. But for me, um, I've got two more episodes that I have in this little selection. And um, the first one of them is my second favorite episode, which is Mac Finds His Pride, because it's Mm -hmm. such a very different episode from what has come before the most serious turn the entire series takes but it's well done it just it comes out of absolutely nowhere because this this episode starts off as it's frank asking mac to basically grind as much as he can on a float that is to get the gay fellas involved and it's like (laughs) you're wondering where it's going and it ends with the absolute peak of what has been max arc so far which is it the episode actually when you step back it's this fella who's uncomfortable with the idea of coming out on a public scale as gay and it's his way of almost interpreting that and the five minute section at the end of that episode 
I still think is just a stunning piece of television. And it, I know a lot of this has just been about comedy and about what is for laughs, but that, in essence, that last five-minute section of interpretive dance is just a sensational piece of television. But um, my final episode is... Um, oh, which one have I gone with? Wait there, give me a second. Where are we? The gang goes to the Jersey Shore. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean rum ham, man, rum ham. Yes. I mean rum ham, like rum ham, like it's yeah. just it, it's rum ham and vacation by the Go Go's. Like there is yes. there is no better just combination within television than that. It's an amazing episode that is finished with an absolute just weird montage that is set up by vacation. And it's just amazing. Like that episode, in essence, it's almost, it harps back, obviously, Rob, to those old American dream holidays that we have in the UK, where it's like the sort of Blackpool holiday, where someone walks along by the pier and has these old memories, and it ends up with two homeless fellas bumming each other. And it's (laughs) it's exactly that sort of roles reverse thing that you can see happening here. And it's just, it's an amazing episode that I love. That episode, too, speaks very much to something that is a recurring theme, and it's always Sunday, which is their idealized memories of how things once were and the reality are very two very different things. And that's how they, they romanticize the eighties or they romanticize. Yeah. Like the high school, like Dennis especially thinks he was this really popular guy in high school. And it turns out everyone was making fun of him the whole time. It's great. Um, Adam, have we gotten to your favorite episode yet? Uh, yeah, I think probably the, the first Charlie McDennis was my favorite. I think the, okay. the one the one segment that I'd like to that I'd like to bring up, which is uh, uh, it's in Sweet D as a heart attack, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's obviously the pe- the Pepe Sylvia <laughs> segment oh. with Charlie, which is just like yes. I, I, I think that 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 uh, that episode is very poorly headlined. I think because the whole thing the whole thing is just about Mac and Charlie being be yeah. working in the mailroom and like Charlie's. Like three minute spiel about this conspiracy theory about all the all these people who don't exist and all their mail keeps coming in and then they just actually do exist and he's just gone absolutely mental <laughs> because of the fumes and got them fired. I'm telling you that episode, like, and just to show you how smart that show is. On one hand, it's a commentary about the links people would go to in our country just to get healthcare, A. And then B, it's it's so absurd because it's a tr- it's it borrows and this is one of those references that you it may have flown over y'all's head, but the the it, it borrows from the story concept obviously in a very crazy, you know, they always take source material and then they 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 nuke it to, into something insane. But there was a Michael J. Fox movie in the l- mid to late eighties called the secret of my success, which is where that, uh, that day, bow, bow, that song <laughs> you know, that they talk about all the time. That's, that's where that song, I think one of the, the songs, the times I first remember that song ever appearing in a movie and being a big part of it. But that movie was about Michael J. Fox, essentially pretending to be someone else, th- other, someone other than he was at this co- big corporate 
company that you don't really know what they do in New York uh, and essentially trying to scam his way into convincing him that he is uh, this, you know, is, is this successful guy. And there's even there's even a part in it where um, he's having to, you know, someone calls the office that he's using and he answers the phone. He has to pretend he's someone else. And because uh, he's like, who are you? Who is this? You know, and it's it's so much of that. And I love it's always sunny for this. They find ways to reference uh, these kind of cultural touchstones in form of old television and movies and, and then make something absurd out of it. Um, one other episode that I absolutely wanted to give uh, some love to uh, because it's my favorite. I think it's my favorite Mac centric episode. Uh, and it is called Mac Day. And I don't know if you guys remember Mac Day, but Mac Day is the one day every year where Mac gets, gets to do anything he wants and they can't complain. And it goes, it is, it, 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 what is so great about that is um, not only Mac, but it was Mac juxtaposed against his cousin, Country Mac, played by the great Sean William Scott, who. It's so sad he's a one-off character because he could have been such a good recurring character, but he's so great in it. Where basically he he is you you see all of Max, all the things that that the gang realizes that they absolutely hate about Mac is exposed by Country Mac, who much like normal Mac is you know he loves certain things, but he's way more comfortable with himself and he's way more chill about everything. So he's for instance. Uh, he is gay and he's fine with it. And he's like, no, I love dudes, man. You know, and then, and then it's, uh, you know, Mac, one of the themes in it's always sunny is that Mac is super Catholic, super religious to the point of it, just crippling his life at times. And, you know, this country Mac, he's like, I also believe in God, but to me, God is like, God is like a French kiss or a, a sunset or whatever. And it's like, and he's smoking this joint. He's like, you know, it's how you feel when you're smoking weed. Like, and, and and the whole gang is like, can we get rid of our Mac and just replace him with Country Mac? It's like, it's like, you know, I didn't. I think it was Dennis. He was like, I didn't realize before. You know, I used to think that I hated God and I hated uh, martial arts and I hated all this stuff, but now I just realize I hate Mac. <laughs> it's so insane. The 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 the. The thing where they go to the male bodybuilding show and that that uh, part of the episode is so insane and just he's like I'm gonna get if you guys don't start greasing up some dudes fast I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> <laughs> like I this is when still full denial about being gay it's just so it's so it's so it just shines a light on Mac like few episodes have um, and then the other the other Mac centric episode that I well it's really the whole gang but uh, the gang gets whacked it's a two part episode where uh, they somehow get involved with trying to sell these drugs that they've found and get you know Mac gets looped into the mafia and he he wants to he wants to be a made guy and all this stuff I just it's the whole thing is is insane but um, yeah I guys any uh, Adam I'll t- turn to you on this any final thoughts anything any I, I guess I would frame it this way um, if you were talking to no, I don't want to do that because people have either seen it or they haven't. But um, if you've got any final thoughts on your your love for It's Always Sunny or anything you haven't talked about or a moment or an episode, uh, now's the time to speak uh, as we wrap up. I think I think probably the one like the one well pair of episodes really that I'd like to bring up uh, to, to finish off is uh, Mac and Charlie die uh, where they face <laughs> face their own death <laughs> over two parts. 
And like, it's a great I, I love particularly the second part of that. Like Frank's Frank's despair that Charlie is gone, and he's got like a blow up doll, which is face Charlie, <laughs> and he's just like at the end, did I see you bang that thing? And he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like just the the whole like inner machinations of like that whole. A whole episode like when Dennis gives the eulogy, like wearing the duster, and Frank's just shouting at him throughout the whole thing to take off the duster, and he's like, "No, I'm not taking off the duster. I'm not." No, he's like, Mac, Mac wants Mac wants the duster burned. He's like, "I'm not." The, the duster is also another recurring uh, object <laughs> in that show, like Frank's uh, Frank's toupee. The duster is a supporting character. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like I'm not getting rid of the duster. And you know, we're, and they were reading Max Will, where Mac wants uh, all his sleeveless T-shirts hung up in the bar, <laughs> yeah. like a hall of. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I love their suicide video and that too. It's so great. Yeah, mm. yeah. I, I, to be honest, like I, I could literally sit here and I'd, I'd probably end up bringing up a good like eighty percent of the episodes and be thinking, oh, I, I love this one. I love this one. Like. It's probably the series, like considering how many episodes it's got, it's probably the longest running series where I think it's been just consistently top notch, well written, well shot, is really funny, really smart. I think it trusts its listeners as well. It, like it trusts it trusts everybody who's watching it. It's just like, right, you're you're gonna understand this. Like we're not gonna shove it down your throat. You're just gonna you're just gonna get this joke. And I think that's that's something that I really respect from it. And to be honest, long may it continue because I loved I love the most recent season. I think that's up there with some of the funniest stuff that they've done. So I just really hope they, they can continue doing it for as long as they possibly can, to be honest. I think they've got at least one or two more seasons uh, that they're under control. But the way that they talk about it, because they're down to doing basically, I think, 10 or less episodes a season now, they... I think, you know, Rob McElhaney talks like he'll just keep doing it as long as they, they want to do it. They're not really under any pressure to, you know, complete a long story arc or anything like that. Um, Adam, if for, for someone who's – I can't imagine that you've if you've never seen this show that you're still listening at this point because you're probably like, oh, I need to watch the show before I listen to it. But uh, if do you have if, – if, if someone came up to you and said, I've never watched this show before – give me an episode I should watch to, to kind of start. Do you, do you have one that, that you would recommend? It's tough, isn't it? Like, um, you've got, you've, cause you've got to find an episode that doesn't really relate back to any other episodes. And I think that's very tough to do because obviously, like, as you said before, like it, it does link back a lot to uh, a lot of previous episodes and a lot of things that have happened. So you've got to, it, it does reward long-term viewers in that sort of sense. I'd find it hard to recommend anything other than the first episode that they shot. I think, you know, Ch- Charlie Charlie gets cancer. I think the, the, the perfect scene in that episode is when Dennis goes to Charlie and he only wants is like a basketball and Charlie tells him that he's got cancer. And the only thing that Dennis has in his head is I need to get this basketball and get out of this and get out of this apartment. That's like all he's got going through his head. He's got no sort of, he's got no sort of thing of, Oh, I'm going to comfort my friend. I'm going to stay. No, he's just like, I need to get this basketball and go. And I think that's, that's like the inherent like base level of what this, this show's comedy is. Uh, so I'd maybe suggest that one. Although I would, I would find it hard to do one without Frank. Uh, so I don't know. I think Charlie McDennis. I, I really, I really do think you can watch Charlie McDennis and you can see these 
absolutely horrendous people doing just stupid stuff throughout 20 minutes. And I think that's essentially what the, <laughs> what that show is in a nutshell. I, you know, Mike, I'll come to you with the same question, but I would just to give you a second on this. I, I think mine, and it's an episode I haven't brought up, and it is before Frank got on, but I love this episode because of the way it reveals the gang's dynamics uh, early on, and it reveals their weird obsession with their own kind of idealized uh, remembrance of their youth. Um, and that was a season one episode uh, or series one episode called Underage Drinking, A National Concern, because <laughs> it, is, it is basically that they realize that all these underage kids have started coming to their bar. And at first they're like, well, we got to stop this. And then they're like the greedy part of them is like, well, wait a minute, maybe we could, you know, like find a way to make this work. And, you know, like it's they convince themselves they're being responsible by allowing these kids to drink in their place. And then they suddenly get sucked back into these high school dynamics where they're where, where they're they're worrying about prom dates. And uh, Char Charlie, that's one of my favorite Charlie uh, episodes where he's able to recite the line of gossip and and things going on with all these other people uh and they're they get convinced to buy buy these teenagers beer for a party like a keg party or something it's 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 a great it's it's probably my favorite like season one episode i just i love it and i think it's a great place for people to start mike uh I'll, we'll end with you do you have any episode that if, if someone said to you i've never seen this before uh you know which one should i watch what would you choose frank's little beauties absolutely really frank's oh. little beauty every single time frank's little beauty because Do not diddle kids it's that one and the dynasty one where or frank's brother or whatever where i can't i have a harder time getting into those two for whatever reason but just, tell me why you like frank's little beauties it's just amazing like it, it the the entire <laughs> essence of that episode is basically frank's trying to convince the rest of the world that he's not a pedophile <laughs> and it's just an amazing episode from start to finish that needs no background context whatsoever but i think at the opposite end of that where if you wanted a jumping off point where you eventually get to when you understand the dynamic is the nightman cometh which we haven't mentioned at all, which we oh, really should have, because yeah. yeah. that is the ultimate payoff episode. Like w when you eventually understand the dynamic of all of these characters, to then watch Charlie's screenplay get put together and then a forced sort of proposal to the waitress at the end of it, and just all of it. It's just an amazing thing that also includes Mac with cat eyes and doing martial arts and Dennis wearing a cod piece. It's just <laughs> from start to finish encapsulates everything. When you go right back to the very start of all of the background of these characters, it's just encapsulated in this screenplay and it's just perfect. I love it. That is a musical episode and you could basically just Charlie writes a musical and it's a, it's as weird and wonderful as you imagine. Um, I actually have from, you know, before it was on streaming, I have one of the old season DVDs and uh, included in one of the bonus features, they did a live performance of that entire episode and it's really good uh, with everyone in it. And what's funny is that the songs become, they get stuck in your head, you know, Damon, oh, which yeah. <laughs> actually came from that. Actually, that came from a previous episode where um, I guess they were trying to start a band or whatever. Uh, it was the one where 
uh, Sweet D's dating a retarded person where she was dating the rapper and she couldn't tell if he was actually, uh, you know, mentally disabled or if he was just kind of a weird guy. And then uh, the side story on that was the, the guys were buying instruments and trying to start a band and they all had different ideas about what they should be. And Dennis had that cod piece and that what that jumpsuit on and he and Charlie got kicked out of the band at some point and they got together and started writing you know, unbeknownst to us, the Dayman. Uh, they wrote that first uh, Nightman or Dayman song, and then oh, that that whole musical episode is fantastic. Absolutely. Oh, guys, this has been awesome. Uh, I just i I could talk about this show forever. It's it's it is definitely one of those shows that lends itself to the to the idea that television watching is is a talking sport on some level. Uh, but I really really enjoyed this. Um, I'm sure at some point we'll pick uh, some other show to do this sort of gushing over. Maybe we'll get into the Sopranos at some point or the wire or something like that. But you can't beat comedy just because there's always going to be laughs that are exchanged. Uh, and if you've never, if you've made it to the end of this and you've never seen, it's always sunny. I don't know what rock you're hiding under, but you got to get on it. It's on, I think it's on Netflix over in the UK. So it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's on Hulu here in America uh, or, you know, it, all the FX shows are so uh, highly, highly recommend it. And uh, it, especially in these heavy times, uh, there's no show that takes that takes uh, serious, uh, deep issues at times and makes them absurdly funny, quite like it's always sunny. So uh, with that, guys, just a reminder, of course, coming up on the Blue Room, um, we've got as I always like to say, we've always got content. We're always oozing content. We have, uh, we'll have uh, another episode, I'm sure, coming up. Uh, are we, are we shelving the 11s until the season starts again? Or are we going to continue to do those, Mike? Um, 11s. The series closure of 11s was last week, so you need to go back and find out who won that series. And I think the next few weeks we'll see a new series of 11s come around. Wonderful, wonderful. The 11s is great. Uh, it's always one of the funniest shows that we have here on the uh, here on the Blue Room. Uh, of course, we'll have a transfer. We'll get back into the regular rhythm of the transfer show when things start to pick up. But with Everton, you know, I imagine that'll be probably the the week before uh, the first match of the season or something like that. But who knows? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Hopefully, it won't be that way. Uh, but we'll have transfer show. We'll always, of course, have the weekly subscribers weekly, the mailbag, um, and of course, uh, more kick about next. Next week uh, for Adam Jones and Mike Diasha. Uh, it's uh, I'm your host Rob Vera. I like to, I'm trying to do a more professional closeout here. It's been good uh, hanging with you guys today, and we'll see you again next week. Take care. Únese al equipo de BD en Columbus, Nebraska. Estamos contratando para múltiples posiciones con elegibilidad de bonos de inicio de trabajo. Nuestro plan de beneficios integral comienza para todos sus empleados en su primer día, incluyendo los planes de seguro de bajo o ningún costo para algunas posiciones, las oportunidades de crecimiento de la carrera y más. BD está hecho para lo que viene en la salud y su carrera. Solicite hoy en jobs.bd.com. Jobs.bd.com. Podcast Network.